Hey everybody, Code Pen Radio number 372. We're going to do a, let's see, a January, February, March, April, May, June. It's the sixth month. And last I checked, there's 12 months in a year. So it's kind of like the half a year check-in on Code Pen Trends. And the person with the finger on the pulse of Code Pen Trends, Marie. How you doing, Marie? Been a minute. Hey everybody. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been on the show. And this is, I think this is the third year in a row that we've done the halfway uh, trend look nice. back. So it's it's becoming a tradition here. Yeah. It's nice to look at, I don't know, just to think about it for a little bit. Because, you know, you might like recognize a trend subconsciously or you might like a pen and not know why exactly. And, and, then, and then when somebody, you know, mentions it out loud, you'd be like, oh yeah, that is a bit of a thing going on right now. I'm actually really quite the sucker for uh, for graphic design trend posts wherever they may be posted. You know, some of them are uh, uh, are extra hot right now. And you have a bunch of you know, we'll go through everything you have listed here, and we have identified some trends. So so keep listening for sure. And you have some algorithmic ways of doing it, and like database query ways of doing it, which is mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting. But here's an example of what. I mean that you pointed out and you, it's one of these it's an it's actually an article you pointed to called the web 3 aesthetic. Yes. Which is funny cuz you know what it's is, not, what the it's hell not does monkeys that mean, with you know? baseball caps on. No. It's, it's something else entirely. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of uh, like what the homepages of of Web3-ish companies do, right? Because uh-huh. there there literally is an aesthetic. I mean, there's an aesthetic to NFTs, but we'll, we'll just say, let's skip that for a moment. We're talking about <laughs> landing pages for, for other types of things. And yeah. one of them on here, and I think this transcends Web3 a little bit or has escaped it or something, because uh, I think of uh, how Tailwind really embraces this look, but it's the gradient background of text so Mm -hmm. not like a gradient and then you'll do like knockout text on top of it the text is the knockout revealing gradient behind it and it just got really positive i think we're a little bit into this trend but man it was flipping everywhere for a while yeah it looks cool i like it it's yeah and when i say web 3 i also kind of mean like that neon-y dark you know or like the the blobby dark where it's like the deep purples you know it looks really cool i like it a lot also very it's it's interesting like a lot of the text is like large blocky chunks of text uh you know high contrast it's a it's a cool look well, when you don't really have that much to say, you got to say it really big, so it looks like you do. You know, <laughs> Come on. just saying. <laughs> yeah, but I, I like the embrace of dark mode is cool. You know, because mm-hmm. especially because CodePen did it first. You know, of course, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that is one thing that's worth pointing out here. This, you know, the the dark neon, the dark gradients, all of that. Where did you see that first, everybody? <laughs> Heck yeah, <laughs> Claire Frank, the Web three pioneer, right? <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, here's another one that you identified that, that, that I was like, Ooh, she right. Which is this, uh, pen and ink aesthetic over a creamy cardstock look. Yes. Yeah. It looks like, like a card. So, um, and it's funny because it's almost the exact opposite of what we were just describing the web three look. It is this, it's brighter, but it's not ultra bright. It's very soft, very inviting. It looks like, you know, the the fancy business card stock or something like that. And it's got a kind of pen and inky vibe too. Like the, it's, yeah. it's strong blacks on like a creamy soft color. 
also very nice looking. In fact, of the two, I think I say I like that one better. Um, but they're both, I mean, they both look great. Yeah, they do look great. And I think it's a, kind of hard to pull off, too. There's like some technical challenge to it because it's like it's light mode, but you're using no white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So you have exactly. to be really considerate about what you're doing, you know, make sure white doesn't creep in because white would stand out on it in probably an undesirable kind of way. You want the lightest color to be the lightest tones you pick. Like ivories and very light grays and then like regular dark black and then soft blacks, grays, things like that too. So yeah. really nice look. Sometimes there's texture it looks like, but not, almost not usually. It almost like implies texture or something. Mm-hmm. Which is cool because I think that the, the texture might be it might be too much of a throwback because there was definitely times of of heavy texture on the web, you know, background repeat image with some mm-hmm. like little paper squiggles or something, and you'd be like, "Look, texture, soak in it." This yeah. doesn't have that. <laughs> like, in the, yeah. if there's any texture used, it's almost in the ink part, not the background. Part. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, it's and some of it is that kind of almost like a what is it called like a risograph style of printing too. So it 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 has it. It has elements of print, but it has its own digital identity too, and I think that's very cool. Yeah, good word, risograph. I had a, I had a, uh, like that could be like an alternate life for me. I feel like because those machines are so cool, I could almost see being like, forget it. I'm just opening my own risograph business, and you, <laughs> and you know, you run jobs for people and make your own yeah. zines and stuff. But so it's totally. like a, it's like a photocopier, but it has real ink rollers in it. So there's yes. it, it's capable of producing kind of layers, which you know, I'd like to see the web embrace that even more. So you know. We have all the tools. We have background blend mode. We have mix blend mode. We have opacity. We have all this stuff that invites a layered look. And yeah, it borrows a little bit from from screen print, risograph, all that type of printing. Uh-huh. And, and it's it, you know, we, you see it in yeah, like you said, blend modes and things like that. So I'm I'm really interested in seeing this emerge. And this one, that one, the one that we we're just talking about, the cardstocky one. It doesn't. I don't know if it has a name yet. And I'm just starting to see it emerge. Maybe I just named it. It's cardstock style. <laughs> cardstock. That's good. It's a good word yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah. Cardstock like, style. I love Marie it. I think it. it looks great. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah. But your the first one you listed was was um, a typography thing embracing the concept of variable fonts, which you, mm-hmm. you know personally I love to see it because variable fonts they're not even that new, but support is has deepened, and there's been some. You know, I, it's almost a thing in variable fonts where like the it, we've been waiting for like. I don't know if it's the right word, like the watershed moment or something like the, to go over the summit, like something's about to bust and, Mm -hmm. and people actually start using variable fonts more. Like the technology is great, but for some reason it hasn't really taken hold on the like day-to-day front end development yet. And it's coming. Maybe it is now. Cause I think Google fonts is really, and that's just such a big deal for web type. Like whatever they do is, like going to have a massive influence over what people do for web typography, they have embraced variable fonts. And so now that that's there, it's like, yeah, people are going to start using the crap out of it now. Yeah, definitely. Actually, a couple of weeks back uh, in the Spark, one of the first uh, pens in the Spark was from Rob DiMarzo, and it's uh, playing, it's a thing where you can play with Roboto Flex, which is one of uh, Google Fonts, uh, variable fonts. And it's really cool because just, 
as you hover on the pen, you can see, you know, the change of the font and the different, you know, just it's playing along. I think it was eight axes of the, of the font. So it's like, it really is a good way to like visualize what's going on there. And I think you're right. We're just hitting a point where it's, it's becoming more mainstream, but I mean, people have been working with variable fonts for years on CodePen. Like Mandy Kerr was showing yeah. like very cool variable yeah. fonts, things like what, five years ago. So right. It, all the a lot of the groundbreaking work you know happened here on CodePen and now it's it's coming into the mainstream and so people are are making even more stuff and making very interesting experiments so it's really cool to see yeah so that's that's really growing this year it's a, it's an area of expanded interest definitely people are really enjoying those types of pens yep little things have to happen for it to for it to break you know and Roboto Flex I think is one of those moments so people will look back on because. Roboto used to ship as like the Android. That was just the font mm-hmm. on Android. Yeah. And so now that it's, you know, so people reach for it because it's super nice. It's battle tested. You know, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's the font for Android anymore, but it certainly evokes that, that feel. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just nice looking. So if there's a font that you already use, because, you know, back in those, you know, Mandy Kerr days of her showing off, amazing demos a lot there was only like you know a handful of fonts doing it Mm -hmm. and some of them were like this font like grows leaves out of its butt or whatever and you're like (laughs) that's amazing but like that's very not day-to-day stuff yes very specific use you know i i do think there's broader use cases for variable fonts now anyway that'll be cool and so type but you know typography trickery beautifulness not isolated to variable fonts like mm-hmm. we mentioned yeah. the the gradient behind it and stuff sure that's cool but uh anything cool typography wise is it's a little hot right now i hate to say it as a trend now because it's you know cool type stuff has always been cool yeah, yeah but it's but it's been popular this year and people are really doing interesting work yeah yeah so one of the things that we can do that we can't share with you but we can do it is kind of like ask our database for like what's popping this year and the reason we won't share it with you is because we uh i mean we'll share it a little bit on this show but we do an end of year you know so we yeah. want to we can't uh you know break quorum here or whatever and uh well we're also only at the six month mark we wouldn't want to disappoint someone by saying oh this is number one and it's june and And then then they get blown out hit january and they're just blasted away exactly it's almost surely (laughs) gonna happen you know i would think half of this list i mean we should export it and compare just for fun yeah you're right we should yeah i think i mean looking at it obviously having a having known what's popular and seeing what's popular and what gets into the spark and all that type of thing. Yeah. I do have a feeling for the things that probably will still be on this list by the end of the year. But yeah, uh, we've got six full months left for people to make a play for the list if they want to get on. Yeah. Looks like some classics in here. You know, anytime there's kind of a obviously above and beyond effort, like, oh my God, this looks like a complete website kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going <laughs> to... Those are always going to have a ton of hearts, you know, because you can see your own, like, what if our landing page was like this? Yes. Yeah. So it sort of makes it feel like pretty cool. I see a couple of uh, 
celebrating your follower number pens. For mm-hmm. some reason, that always inspires people, doesn't it? Yeah, and those are really fun. And that kind of falls into the – what's funny is it kind of falls into the type category because a lot of the time those are you – know, they're representing the number or and animating it and saying, you know, however many followers, right. thank you, and stuff like that. So the ones that get the most attention – Obviously, they kind of have a built-in audience because they've already got a lot of followers, which means that people already like their work. But also, it's it's attention getting, and and their you know their text choices, their font choices, and the design of it all play into this because we do see actually quite a lot of those types of pens. Uh, it's kind of becoming a tradition to make a a milestone pen when you hit a, a follower mark. I love that. I you know, and it's like you're celebrating and you're happy about it, and then. I think that emotion kind of spreads into people seeing it too, you know, and people yeah. are, at least on CodePen, it's, you know, it's, the vibe is to be excited for them, not mm-hmm. to be Definitely. like, hey, <laughs> yeah. jerky about <laughs> well, what else are if you people seeing? are, they're keeping it to themselves. Um, so another thing, you know, this was big last year too, and I mean, it's big, big for quite some time, but 3JS is really big this year and P5JS processing um, is kind of making a bit of a comeback, I'd almost say. Like it's always been it's always been part of CodePen, but uh you know what people were uh, with on the code in the CodePen community. Uh but it's starting to make a resurgence. And I think more people are experimenting with uh generative art, generative design. And I think that this is coming from that field. Like we're we have uh some newcomers who are doing some really interesting things uh with 3JS and P5. And then we also have people who have been with us for years and years who are just only getting better as they go. I mean, some of our our most talented people who have been on the list in previous years are I can tell they're gonna be on again. And it's because they're doing even better stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, generative is certainly a taken hold a bit isn't it and i i I don't know i can to encourage it because i feel like anytime you do something where you're producing art in the style of code pen or whatever where it's just like i don't know sometimes art art for art's sake in a way Mm -hmm. that like you're like oh i'm gonna you know i'm gonna programmatically put my pen here and draw it 100 pixels to the right or whatever you're like Mm -hmm. hmm what if it was random pixels between 50 and 200 to the right instead you know or what if this color was randomatically generated ra- randomatically is that from a, <laughs> yeah, a i like that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> but designed to be pleasing in some way it's almost for you like even if you are happy with one particular final look maybe while you were building it you left it programmatic so that rather than you editing JavaScript necessarily to change the color, that it was either randomized or you gave yourself a little knob or slider or something to control mm-hmm. the numbers so that you're giving yourself this like opportunity for serendipity, you know? I don't know. Yeah. I've always felt strongly about that. Like, make it random or make it controllable because it's just, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Well, we see that a lot with uh, with popular 3JS pens is a lot of the time uh, people will put in that that, that GUI, the uh, yeah, little controller right. thingy. And so what's neat about that is that not only is it flexible for you, the creator, but also anybody checking it out can also just play with it and really customize things. And then they can kind of start to understand what they're looking at and what they're working with. Like if you're thinking about getting into these things like 3JS and all that, 
um, taking a look at these pens that have these controls on them really helps you get like a picture of how this all works because you are manipulating things just with a slider, but that is represented in the code too. So the things that you are manipulating through this UI, uh, you could start to understand, okay, this does this inside of this design. This does this inside of this animation. So that's what I would change if I were writing this in code. Um, another thing that I think is interesting here is that, you know, in the past, like uh, one of the, the biggest trends on CodePen was CSS illustration. And a lot of the time people would, you know, really enjoy the CSS illustrations, but then you'd also see people getting feedback where it was like, why would you do this in CSS? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, our, our perspective on that was always, first of all, why not? <laughs> you know, because you can, but also because when you do something like that in CSS, you, you learn how it works and it's, you know, not necessarily practical to, draw a flower with CSS when you could, of course, do it with SVG or draw it on a piece of paper if you really wanted to. Um, but, but you learn in that way. And so, you know, I think what's happening now is that a lot of people are beginning to experiment with 3JS in a way to understand JavaScript, you know, to, to do something that is visually interesting with JavaScript and get visually brought into using JavaScript. So we're seeing a lot of newcomers come in um, who are trying JavaScript for the first time. Sometimes uh, they were people who were good with CSS or sometimes they're just brand new newcomers just in general. And this is their toe into the world of JavaScript. So we are seeing not necessarily practical creations. A lot of the time it's, it's just, you know, very psychedelic visual or, you know, like just changes in color, blobs moving around, whatever. But it is, uh, it's a learning experience for people that's fun. And it's also very cool for people to look at. So they become popular. So, you know, it's, it, I, it, I do find it funny, though, that nobody's ever like, why did you do this with JavaScript? <laughs> you know, because it's yeah. not practical, you know. But I guess the difference is that... As long as there's just, JavaScript involved, it's okay. Right, it's serious enough, exactly, yeah. You know, so uh, I do kind of think that's funny, just the, the dichotomy there. But yeah. I also think it's fun to see people doing this, you know, like to see people come into the world of programming from a very artistic perspective is really fun. Um, we're seeing artists that were just like just traditional visual artists, people who were doing things even in the physical world or, or doing things with, uh, you know, Procreate or Photoshop mm. or anything like that, um, starting to experiment with JavaScript through these means, through 3JS, through P5, through all these kind of more visual versions of, of JavaScript. So it's a really cool new thing in the last couple of years, a new thing. And then, and then in this past year, I think we've seen a new wave and a new resurgence. And like I said, in P5 seems to be coming back. Um, so there's growth there and it's, it's a really exciting time to be around that. Yeah. I've always liked the, the idea that if you do this type of experimentation, whatever it is, that your skill level goes up. Yes, exactly. You know, you, I yeah. mean, you already said that, so I'm not trying to like re-say what you said. But I, but the people have, you know, I've talked to people on this show who who defend it in that way, CodePen users, and I love that because it's it feels so like I don't know, like I shut up. <laughs> I'm trying to find the right words for it, but you're like, <laughs> who do you think is better at CSS, like objectively, the person who is experimenting and doing quote unquote impractical things and having fun and writing code, or is it the person going meh? 
guess what? It's the former. <laughs> exactly. It's always the person who's down in the thing doing it. The hater, you know, that's very easy. <laughs> it's the easiest thing in the world, you know? Nothing is easier than a mean tweet. So, you know, when you actually get <laughs> yeah. in there and get your hands dirty and work with something, even if you make something goofy, the whole thing is you were working with it the whole time. You understand better what you're working with, even if you made something goofy. So keep making goofy stuff. I love it. Goof it up. And I'm the one who makes picks on CodePen, so <laughs> keep it up. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of that, we have public documentation mm-hmm. on what it takes to get a pen picked. If this is the first show that you're listening to on this podcast where we, uh, I, I don't know, you haven't heard us talk about that before, let me just quickly say that having picked pens on CodePen is, uh, I guess in our opinion, not a, a, like the world's highest bar. Like if you put some effort and time behind your thing and try to do a good job and such, like the chances of your pen getting picked is pretty high, right? Mm-hmm. It's not It's not this mountain to climb uh, and that's on purpose. We like showcasing new people's work. We just, there's just all kinds of stuff, right? To make the top hundred or something for the year, like those pens definitely, there's a bit of a, a higher bar there, especially as code pen grows. But but the pick thing mm-hmm. is uh, meant to be a, a wider array of stuff. So so please, you know, let us know about pens that you that you make if you if you want to, you know, for example, sharing it on, on Twitter and tagging hashtag code pen. We literally see every single tweet that's hashtag that or even just shares a code pen link in it. So mm, yeah, that's yeah. a pretty good way. But it used to be almost bigger than it is now. I feel like we our tooling for finding pickable stuff is uh is is different than just like tweet it. These right. Days. Yeah, we and we used to be kind of vague with how to get picked because the fact was we were kind of vague about how we picked things. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. And then and yeah, it was it used to be uh much much more uh twitter driven than it is now um now you know and and we've put this in the public documentation because we want people to know like if you want to be seen by the people who pick pens on CodePen, here's what to do um giving your pen a title is right off the bat makes it easier for us to find it adding a description makes it even easier um and then we also have tagging which you can do in your settings of your pen which you know if you add a rele- relevant tag to your pen it'll come up for us when we're looking for pens in that category and we do that a lot mm-hmm. um we have the code pen topics section which has lots of curated collections that have pens that fit different tags and i'm in there all the time looking for stuff that fits and it doesn't have to be brand new you can tag older things it will you know we'll we'll see it yeah um, you don't even know all is... the ways i'm just saying for people listening like marie might write a query where just having a tag at all happens to be part of the query i don't even know if that's 100% mm-hmm. true but i but i yes. think it is right oh, so yeah. you're yeah. not just saying oh do they really look at tags or whatever like you know you don't even know. We might change this stuff all the time. <laughs> we might make a little internal dashboard that says, show me all pens that, you know, have X, Y, and Z, and Z is has at least one tag. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it used to be that we had a real haystack here and absolutely no way to find needles. <laughs> yeah. And now I've got a metal detector. So <laughs> we're finding all them needles now. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's been, it's, uh, you know, we are working harder to surface better work we are working harder to surface more work and we're also trying to make it easier for people who want us to see their work to show it to us without 
a need to post elsewhere. Uh, although what I will say is that if you do post elsewhere and you develop an audience in other places, you do have a better shot of if, if it's a goal of yours, uh, getting onto the top 100 because people who drive traffic and, and hearts to their pens have a tendency to get up onto the top 100 because they do things like repeatedly share their content and people see it again and maybe harder when they drop in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't have, you don't have to be promoting your, your work elsewhere, but it does help if, if being on the top 100 is your goal. If all you want to do is get picked, you just got to help us find it. And so a title, description, tags, you know, that all helps. Also, if you want to get seen uh, by the people who pick, participating in a challenge is very helpful uh, because we look very closely at the work uh, that's done for every challenge. So uh, those are very, very easy ways to get seen. And if you don't get picked, it doesn't mean that it's not good work. Sometimes things happen and we miss stuff. We have a lot of work coming our way these days, but we are getting better at finding more stuff and surfacing more stuff for everybody to see, because it's important that the community gets to see what's being made on CodePen to see what's new. Yep. You'll, and you know, if if you also didn't realize this or are like, I don't know, have been away from CodePen for a long time or something, there used to just be a section where you could just look at picks only and that's just not there anymore, but that was on purpose. But their picks are still he- very heavily surfaced. They just happen to be in the trending tab on the homepage when you are logged in. And it's a it's basically just two feeds, one algorithmic and one picked, and they're smushed together, and that's what trending is. So mm-hmm. like pretty much every page, there's one or two picked pens on it as you scroll through. So that's our way of, of surfacing it. But if you're looking for just picks, uh, we actually don't deliver that anymore. No, but there is the spark. And that's where the top of the top is. So if yeah, you want to see like the best picked pens, the, of the super week, picks, yeah, yeah, that's the spark. And so we have the spark archive going all the way back to the very beginning of the spark. So it's just codepen.io slash spark you can see what's what's hot this week and every week passes (laughs) yeah you can paginate through those that's those are kind of super picks yeah that's a very good point um we even have codepen.com slash instagram for kind of a a slower picked thing you know there's no regularity Mm -hmm. to it it's basically when maria or i feels like (laughs) feels like putting some stuff on there time I always think of that as more of like our museum feed, you know, that's the, yeah. that's the really visually, visually stunning stuff. That's the stuff we put over there. Yeah. Yeah. There's no science to it. It's just like, this no, looks not fun at all. right now. It's just, <laughs> I like this one and I can cut a clean loop of it. I'm going to put it up. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, so that's cool. Yeah. I mean, you, you glossed over it, but I'll underscore it again that, that Marie, you also run challenges as well. The challenges are not you know, to solve this algorithm, that kind of challenge. The point is challenge yourself to mm-hmm. to make something with the prompt that you're given. So we have a monthly theme, and then there's a sub-theme each week, and each week also has resources and ideas for you to, to tackle. We give you all of that. Sometimes there's even a base pen that you can start with. And then, so there's just as much as we can possibly give you to start flexing some code creative muscles, and lots of people do it every week. You'll be in yes. good company, and you can follow along on that tab. There's a collection built at the end of the week showcasing uh, all of the best ones. And it's just fun. And there's enough value in just doing it, I think, alone. But 
interesting statistic, right? Mm-hmm. 10%? Yes. 10% of last year's top 100 were challenge pens. Wow. Lots of people who I've been seeing do follower celebrations have been part of the challenge community. And we've seen multiple people rise from absolute beginners to top of the top, making the top 100, spending a lot of time in the spark because they got themselves going with challenges. And I think that's super awesome. That's very exciting for me in part because... I wrote a lot of these challenges, but also, you know, just because it's so cool to see people really grow over time and get to know their work as the, as they're just blossoming as developers. It's really cool. Yeah, that is cool. I mean, come on, that can be a, a true path to success is starting mm-hmm. with code pen challenges. So uh, why don't we wrap up, but can we identify another trend or two before we do? Cause that's kind of what the show is about. I don't know. What are you seeing? I, I named off everything I saw. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, there's just so many, so many, so many high quality things, certainly uh, geometric stuff I'm seeing. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to just pull stuff out of the air if I can't, if I can't corroborate it with, with lots of, uh, uh, good details, but I think we covered we covered plenty of stuff anyway. Oh, yeah, and I could say that you know my favorite is the cardstock style, as I named it earlier yeah. in the show. I'd love to see more of that. That pen and ink, juicy cardstock. I love it. Show me more. <laughs> when I interview people on the show, the thing I find myself honing in on is when I when a pen really does above and beyond good. It's usually for some reason where they they just go the extra mile. There's just a little something that's like, oh man, I had to, this doubled the amount of time it took me to do this, but it added just a little something that t- takes yes. it to the next level. You yeah, know? it's the je ne sais quoi factor, <laughs> which you can't always put your finger yeah, on. Yeah, like there's a little animation, but you're like, oh, this animation actually has a really custom cubic bezier on it that gives it this special feel or something. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see pens that that are really good that kind of somehow still miss that that last little spark. Yeah. <laughs> well, and one one thing that's worth mentioning there when you talk about that, when you talk about like working on something for a while, kind of, you know, perfecting it before you put it out there. If you start working on a pen and it's private, um, when you turn it to public, that's when it goes out to the feeds. That's when it's visible to us as pickers. That's when it's visible to your followers. So take your time, you know, feel free to take your time and put it out there when it's ready because that's when it becomes available to the world and it won't be buried in the, in the past couple of years ago. Now, I mean, it's been a few years. Um, it used to be that the, a private pen was just pinned to its uh, creation date and it would like not really show up in the, in the right. current feed. But now it's, it's when you flip the switch to public, that's when it becomes something that people can see. So well, that's a pretty good reason to go pro on code pen. You know, you're right. That is a good reason to go pro because then you use, you can use privacy. I'll say. All right. Thanks, Marie. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. Six,